Welcome to the Living Life Well Show, the intersection of God's Word, today's science, and healthy living with common sense application, all based on the truth of the Word of God. I'm your host, Dr. John Skelton. Now let's get straight to the truth. All right, welcome back to the Living Life Well Show. So we're going to be talking all things autoimmune. Autoimmunity is a hot button topic uh, in our world right now. We're seeing a huge, huge increase, especially over the last 20 or 30 years of autoimmune reactions, and definitely over the last 50 years. So what is it? How did you get it? How do we diagnose it? And can I get rid of it or how do I get rid of it? So I want to cover all that today in this episode. And so let's get straight to it. So autoimmunity, it's really epidemic levels within the U.S. We we have found that there are over 100 different autoimmune diseases. and Millions and millions of Americans are suffering from them. Many of them have already been diagnosed and many of them have gone undiagnosed. So when we think of autoimmune diseases, think of all the commercials you're seeing right now on on TV. Commercials for psoriasis, for things like vitiligo, for even things like alopecia. And so autoimmunity is at rampant levels throughout all of society, from children through adults. And so we really want to take a strong look at uh, autoimmunity and how it even comes about, how do we diagnose it, and what do we do? Things that you may not necessarily think of with regards to autoimmune disease are, are things like diabetes, and, and thyroid dysfunction can be an autoimmune disease. But of course, we have those things that we know a lot about. Type 1 diabetes definitely is an autoimmune disease. Thyroid disease can be an autoimmune disease, think Hashimoto's. And then, of course, things like lupus and scleroderma, those things we think of for sure when we think of autoimmune disease, as well as bowel conditions, thinking of Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Long story short, there's a host of autoimmune diseases and even autoimmune diseases that we get to define. And so why do we say that? So let's, let's back up a little bit and even define what autoimmune disease is. And so John Hopkins at University and their Department of Pathology kind of defines it this way. They said autoimmunity is the presence of antibodies, which are made by B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes, directed against normal components of a person, autoantigens. These components are called autoantigens or self-antigens and typically consist of proteins or proteins complexed to nucleic acids. The antibodies and T lymphocytes that recognize autoantigens are called autoantibodies and autoreactive T cells. So that's a quote from John Hopkins. Basically boiling it down is that there is a way in which your immune system, the B lymphocytes and the T lymphocytes, are recognizing your body as foreign because something foreign has come into it and caused this issue. So we can see this with things like like leaky gut. We can see this with different infections. And we can see this then occasionally kind of occur with medications. And so there's a genetic component for sure to this. 
So some conditions that may be linked to autoimmunity, but aren't quite there yet are things like asthma and eczema. So our children typically are seeing both of these and we quote, seem to grow out some of that as we age. And so when you're younger, a lot of times asthma can be significant. And as you progress through puberty and adolescence and into adulthood, we see a lot of these issues go away, but sometimes they can persist. And so if someone has underlying asthma or eczema, doesn't mean that they have an autoimmune condition, but it does mean that their immune system is overreacting and their immune system is causing inflammation in a specific area of the body. Obviously, with asthma, it's causing it in the lungs. With eczema, it's causing it on the skin. And so autoimmune disease and an overactive immune system can result in symptoms in really any organ of the body. And so autoimmunity is really a huge, huge issue. And so how do we even seem to go about diagnosing it? So one of the most common tests and probably the most common test that we use is something called the ANA. And so ANA stands for anti-nuclear antibodies. And so this is getting down to a cellular level and even even smaller than that with regards to uh, where we're seeing dysfunction. And so there's different patterns when we do an ANA that can be associated with different diseases, homogeneous, speckled, lots of lots of different patterns patterns that can indicate an autoimmune condition. If you have a negative ANA, does that mean that you don't have an autoimmune disease? No. One of the most common things that I see with autoimmune disease is thyroid conditions, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Well, we know that less than 50% of those people with Hashimoto's have a positive ANA. And so there's a great immune reaction that's occurring that is causing dysfunction of the thyroid or your body's response to thyroid hormone that is going on and we don't have a positive ANA. So if you have some basic tests with a TSH and a T4 ANA and it's all negative and you're suffering from fatigue and those things, that doesn't necessarily rule out your thyroid and doesn't rule an underlying autoimmune issue that's well, what if you have a positive ANA? Does that mean that you have some sort of autoimmune condition? No, it doesn't. Frequently, people will have a positive ANA with different types of infections. We'll see it with uh, different types of other underlying inflammatory conditions and or even medications. One of the things that we've really seen post-COVID, times positive ANA, tons people that are coming back and having these ANAs, but we can't find anything else. Hence, long COVID and those. Another condition that can really set off autoimmune disease that doesn't necessarily present with a positive ANA may be mono. So reactivated mono can be very prolific in causing downstream effects throughout our body and including autoimmune type reactions and those specifically uh, with regards to everyone. And so there are some antibodies that can be associated that is allowing uh, your body not to receive the thyroid hormone the way it should. And so it's not used. And so you get all the uh, symptoms of 
hypothyroidism or, or low thyroid. Okay, so that's what autoimmunity is. That is kind of how we test for it and, and diagnose it. But how did you get it? So a lot of it can be due to genetics. We talked about medications and we've talked about infections, but really pollutants in our daily life and things that, that we take in and are exposed to may cause this as well. But another big issue is stress. So when you have a genetic predisposition or you're on a medication or are under the effect of pollutants or a current infection, that stress level can increase inflammation in your body. And so if you do have a genetic predisposition, can allow that to turn on. One of the really good examples of this is with lupus. So lupus is a great example of an autoimmune condition that had genetic components to it. We know that there are over 80 different genes that are associated with lupus. And so one of the things that's really interesting, though, is that identical twins who have the same exact genetic makeup, right? And so identical twins, one may have lupus, one may have. And so it's really interesting to take a look at disease in patients with identical DNA. And so that is where we know that if one person had an infection or experiences stress different or what they're doing in their everyday is causing exposure to different pollutants, that could turn on those genes. And so really when we're looking at autoimmunity, I think that best information as whether you were born with it, so to speak, or whether it's environmental, really tells us that it's quite honestly for the vast majority of cases, again, not all cases, uh, for the vast majority of the cases, and it really is environmental. It's those things that we're exposed to, how we're experiencing life on an everyday basis that really turns these genes on so that they are functioning improperly. So medications can definitely turn on genes. And we do know of some medications uh, that will do that. Things like uh, chemotherapy uh, drugs and uh, even hydralazine, which is a, a drug that we use a lot of times for, for blood pressure, procainamide, isoniazid, methyldopa, uh, minocycline, which is one that has commonly been used uh, in the past as an antibiotic uh, for acne. And so there are a host of medications out there that can cause some expression of those genes. But then, of course, like I talked about, infections are going to be really Again, post-COVID, we're seeing a lot of these people with positive ANAs. Interestingly, we're also seeing a lot of association uh, with long COVID and mono. So mono, again, is another infection uh, that we see some rise in autoimmunity. Uh, specifically, we have a really good association of that with the thyroid. But any kind of underlying infection uh, can either set off autoimmunity or it can cause that positive ANA as well. And again, as we said, a positive ANA doesn't necessarily mean that you have an autoimmune conditions. With autoimmunity, we also know that stress is going to tend to drive up our immune system and just inflammation in general and cause reaction. And so 
taking steps to minimize stress are going to be important. So why is that? What, what is the mechanism that's occurring that, that increases this inflammation and all that we see when we experience stress? Well, number one, we need to recognize stress may be physical, emotional, psychological, or it could be toxin-related. And so things that are causing you stress can cause your adrenal glands to react the same way as if you were being chased by a lion. So your body does not distinguish between the types of stress that you're having. And so people necessarily associate everything that they're doing in life with stress. I think a lot of us recognize stress on a daily basis, being it work stress, relational stress, financial stress, those things. Obviously, if you're in a lot of pain, chronic pain, that's going to create a stress response as well. But, you know, then there's those things that we're taking into our body that we don't really realize are causing issues. And so helping to see that and eliminate those things are, are going to help us because what happens when you have a stress response is your body increases those fight or flight hormones throughout your system. It revs up your cortisol. It disrupts your sleep patterns when there is a chronic state of stress. Again, it doesn't matter the source of the stress. When there is chronic state of stress, you're going to lead to inflammation. We all are going to have a stress and stress response. So hear me wrong. I'm not suggesting that you can eliminate all stress or that uh, stress isn't good. At the Live Life Well Show, we want you to truly live life well. To that end, we have a special limited time offer exclusively for our podcast listeners. We are offering our 90 Days to Begin Living Life Well course and membership to you for just $75 a month. The 90 Days to Begin Living Life Well course takes you through weekly email and video instructions, as well as weekly assessments in all three areas of health, body, mind, and spirit. We also provide Konia our community of like-minded people all on their own journey to living life well. In Kania, you and I will interact through regular Q&As as well as with special guests and content exclusive to the Kania community. In addition, you will have the opportunity for one-on-one coaching with me and my team. If this appeals to you, scan the QR code so you can get started living life well. Somehow stress is good. We use stress when we are working out. We, we push our bodies and our physical bodies to grow through that stress of the workout, through lifting that weight or performing that task, going on that run, whatever the case may be. And so periodic short-term stress is good and helps our bodies to grow. But what I'm really talking about is those things that we're under chronic stress from. And so eliminating those chronic stress, identifying the source of your stress is going to be very important. And so one of the ways I really recommend doing this is going through and performing a law. Is for toxins, really look at you know, your cleaning substances, look at your cooking substances, and then look at the foods that you're eating. And so when it comes to and cooking I really even recommend looking at the ingredients that you season your food with, what different spices you are using, because it may not be the food itself, it may be the way that, that you are choosing to spice it and prepare it. And so 
really getting down to that and doing that through a log system, I think really helps. In addition, really recognizing this person is always causing me stress. I, I come of this situation and my stress is increased every single time. So taking ownership of a, your thoughts about going into that situation, if it's not a situation that you can get, get out of, or be minimizing your exposure to that situation it is going to be important. And so I think logging is a big way to, to help you realize what stresses may be there that, that are contributing to your physical manifestation of underlying autoimmune disorder or really with any other condition, I think it's going to help. So that's a little bit about how to recognize it and kind of on the road to getting rid of it. So how can we get rid of it? If it's tied to a gene, can we really get rid of it? Are you going to be able to get rid of the gene? No. Can you turn off the gene? Yes, potentially you can. And so really the Bible gives us a great map to do that. The Bible is full of things that are now thankfully being backed by science. So when we look to the Bible, we see things like in Proverbs 17 and 15, where it talks about cheerful heart being good medicine and being like a feast to us. And so the more we can increase gratitude and hope into our life and thankfulness, that is going to help heal our bodies and keep us well. That is going to help renew us so that we can then potentially turn off those genes. So as we talked about, really eliminating stress is going to be key. And so some of the toxins that we know for sure will lead to autoimmunity are those things like alcohol, drugs, tobacco. All those are going to be associated with turning on those <clears throat> autoimmune diseases. But then also, like I said, the emotional and psychological stressors are really going to be big and looking at that. So look at the relationships, look at the job, look at the finances. Are these really causing you stress? Is there a way that you can mitigate that to minimize the of the stress that you're having? Is there a different way that you can think about the situation if it's not a situation that you can get out of? And so taking those steps to, to really look at those things are going to be important. So another way to eliminate toxins from your life is by starting with the gut. What are you eating? What is it that you're taking in? How are you preparing the food and looking at the ingredients that you're using? And those things are going to be very important. And so one of the things that we can do is we can start with the uh, non-GMO, you know, removing those genetically modified organisms. And so the genetically modified organisms, what that typically is referring to is basically a seed's ability to sprout despite having Roundup sprayed all over it. And so that's the primary way in which seeds have been modified to withstand Roundup. So that means that there's Roundup there. It's getting all over your food. If it is non-GMO, that means that it has not been able to withstand, withstand Roundup and means that it's more likely than not has had little of a roundup 
does it eliminate it? No. You know, buying organic from somebody local is really what I recommend or growing your own heirloom seed source if you can. Now, listen, that's just not practical for a lot of people becoming a farmer. And so the GMO foods would be the first step. The next step would be to eliminate any kind of seed oils from your, from your diet. So uh, canola or definitely Crisco, anything like that. I would recommend using more things like clarified butter or would be good. Using maybe some coconut oil would be okay as well. Olive oil, I don't necessarily recommend for cooking. Now, after the fact, putting it on your food or at very low heats is good. At high heats, it denatures and becomes not as good for us. And so olive oil, I think, is a great substance to use for helping to flavor and, and just increase the palatability of many of the foods. And then eliminating plastics as much as possible from your food and the non-stick cookware. So using cast iron and or using glass is going to be more beneficial to you. And then finally, really there's, you know, an autoimmune protocol diet and you can just Google this and, and find it generally speaking. And so if you've already been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, following that diet may be of some help to you. There are a few things that we know are really going to cause inflammation. As we've talked about, inflammation can be a driver of turning on those genes that we have that are predisposing us to autoimmune issues. And so the three different things, number one is eliminate processed foods. So what are processed foods? A funion is a processed If it's in a bag or a can, it is processed to some degree, okay? And what we want to do is we want to buy things around the edges of the grocery store. You want to go to the produce section. You want to go to the meat, chicken, and, and fish section. And then a little bit to the dairy section. And so if you're buying produce, fresh is always best. Next is going to be frozen. And then we just want to avoid canned as much as possible. The canning process and the preservatives that are placed in there really don't help us a whole lot. When you're talking about meats in the butcher section, you really want to avoid pork. Pork is going to be the most processed that you find. When you're talking about chicken, a whole chicken is going to be much less processed and have the potential for contaminants as, say, doing something that's like a, a breast or, or something like that. And then, of course, organic, grass-fed, grass-finished beef is going to be important. Free-range or really pasture raise would be more important with chicken and eggs. So that's going to be number one. You want to do non-GMO. You want to eliminate the processed foods. But number two is you want to eliminate all sugar. So sugar is a huge inflammatory component. And so when I'm saying sugars, don't misunderstand there are sugars and fruits. And I'm suggesting that you eliminate all fruits. I think fruits are going to be very good in healing. Berries have a lot of antioxidant properties and properties that help to decrease inflammation. And there for sure is sugar in those, but it's natural. And so what I'm talking about is any kind of added sugar or any kind of artificial sugar that could be added to. And so really you want to read those labels and really understand what sugar is or what added sugar is to be able to eliminate. 
and really eliminating grain. And so this may be a little bit controversial because, you know, bread is mentioned about close to almost 300 times throughout the Bible. And uh, we hear it referred to as bread of life. But as Satan corrupts everything in our world, he is going to attack those things that God talks about a lot, right? Bread is one of the things he has tremendously attacked. And I'm not suggesting you eliminate all bread, but I am suggesting you educate yourself on what's on the back of that label with that bread. How is it being prepared? And so if you are doing bread, I recommend, you know, really getting it from a source that uses heirloom grains that goes through more of a sourdough type process, as opposed to buying some in Texas, Mrs. Baird's bread. And, you know, really educating yourself just because it says whole wheat or whole grain does not mean that it is good. And so really looking into what is in your, what the back of that label says and really eliminating those is going to be looking at eliminating grains, eliminating sugars, uh, eliminating the GMO fruits and vegetables is going to be important. And then, of course, again, all, all process. If you can do those few things, you are on the way to significantly lowering your inflammation, improving your health, and helping to eliminate your risk of turning on those genes and or helping to turn off those genes or, if they stay turned on, eliminating those effects from those genes. So as with everything, of course, exercise is always going to be very important as well. To that end, not all exercise is great for somebody that's severely inflamed with autoimmune disease. So I love HIIT workouts. I love hot yoga. And I think those are great. But for somebody that has autoimmune disease, and especially if it's in a big flare, those two can be devastating as well as doing significant amounts of cardio. And so you really want to assess your exercise and really kind of lean into, okay, how do I feel after this? Do I feel good? Am I tired, but am I feeling better? Do I have more energy throughout the day? Or am I having a lot worse pain? The sit around on me for two, three days. And sometimes it may not be necessarily the exercise that you're doing, but the intensity with which you're pursuing it. And so less is more. This isn't the 80s where, you know, it's no pain, no gain. It's really just making progress. Whether that progress is a millimeter or a mile doesn't really matter. It's the fact that you're taking steps forward and moving forward. And so patient with yourself as you go into the exercise. So next thing that you could do, get outside, get some vitamin D. Do this first thing in the morning, the first 45 minutes of light is going to be best. Again, that's practical for a lot of people, but getting the right vitamin D and taking that on a daily basis is going to be important. So educating yourself on what vitamin D is for you, what, how much you need to take to really get at a healthy level is going to be important. And then how can you decrease stress? And really, there's a couple of ways that we see with biblical examples, meditating on God's word, praying on a daily basis, 
all these things are shown to help heal our bodies through studies that, that we've seen throughout time. People with a religious component to them seem to heal better and faster and recover more than those who. And so having that aspect is going to be important. And then being in community, we were designed to be in community. And so getting involved with friends and family or your church group or, or serving in some way is going to help decrease your stress, increase those healing hormones God has placed within us. Really, it's going to help to reignite your health. And so if you can follow those principles, you will have some improvement and or help yourself to eliminate the risk of developing an autoimmune disease. And at the end of the day, those things can help, but sometimes we need the testing to really kind of determine exactly what's going on. And so I, I do recommend if you do have an autoimmune disease or suspect that you might, that for your specific situation, you get with a, a qualified professional and, and really explore that. So I hope this has been informative. I hope this has been helpful. If it has, I would ask that, that you rate us and review us and continue to follow us. We have special promotions for our podcast listeners specifically. And so I hope this finds you well and go out and have a great Thanks and God bless. That's it for this episode of the Living Life Well Show. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more or want to know how to put this into practice for yourself, go to livelifewellclinic.com. Until next time, this is Dr. John Skelton saying go out and live the truth so you can live life well. The preceding is for entertainment and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to prevent, diagnose, treat, or cure any condition. The information contained in this show does not substitute the need for a qualified medical professional, nor is it meant to provide medical advice or services. If you feel information presented in this show may apply to you, we recommend you seek out the help of a qualified medical professional who can evaluate and treat your specific concerns.